Welcome to Calvary Chapel Sebastian Podcast. We believe that God's Word transforms our lives. We hope that you're blessed by this message. All right. Um, tonight, we're going to be in Matthew 7, verses 24 through 29. So if you need a Bible, please raise your hand, and our guest services will give you one. Um, tonight, as we end, Jesus is going to be talking about the parable of of the builders, two builders. And this parable illustrates the importance of building one's life on obedience and the teaching examples of Jesus Christ. Jesus told us this illustration, and he told us that there's a difference between the two. And the differences are, very simply, those who hear and act upon what they've learned from Jesus and those who hear but don't act upon what they've learned. Now, in this context, um, Jesus has just been finishing talking to the crowds, and he was telling them some pretty heavy stuff, wasn't he? He was talking about, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and then don't do what I say? And he's telling them that not everybody is going to enter into heaven, that those who do the will of my Father. That's some scary stuff, isn't it? Because so many times we think about we're doing God's will, right? Are we? Do we obey everything that Jesus says? Well, Jesus tells us this parable of the wise and foolish builder in order to illustrate these statements. Jesus talks about two houses. And in this illustration, these two houses that he's talking about It represents lives, our lives. We all have a life, right? We all have a life that we're leading and we all build on that life, correct? And that's what he's doing. That's why he's using this illustration of these two builders. But what he's saying is this illustration is more about the end of life and our life of faith. When God calls everything into judgment, the final test is not what we think of ourselves, and it's definitely not what other people think of us, right? The final test and what really matters is what God thinks of us and what God says about us. And how can we prepare for this day? Very simply, by doing God's will. Simple, isn't it? We could go home right now. All we got to do is follow God's will, follow Jesus, and we're good to go, right? Well, if you're taking notes, first thing I'd like you to write down is, is this. Obedience to God's will is the test of true faith in Christ. The obedience to God's will is the test of our faith in Christ, Previously, Jesus is saying, he's warning them about confessing with just their lips or giving lip service, right? A confession verbally is merely inadequate. It's not enough. Jesus expects us to submit to him as our Lord and Savior. He is our Lord. So we need to submit to him. Earlier, as we review from the 
two ways, because he talks about two ways, right? There's a broad and a narrow road. And this illustration is the start of our life of faith, the two ways. Then he talks about two trees. The two trees illustrate the growth in our lives, the result of our lives of faith here and now. And in order to stress the point, Jesus speaks about this well-known parable of the two houses and the builders. And he says, one is wise and the other one is foolish. And why do you think he's closing his message with this picture? He's closing this message because he wants us to know that we can make wise decisions or we can make foolish decisions about the kingdom of God and how we live our lives. And he concludes this sermon illustrating the benefits of obeying his word. It's not enough to hear them, but we must obey them. We must obey them. He compares a person who hears and obeys as the wise man who built upon a rock. Wise or wisdom. You guys know what wisdom is? Um, we've, been we've been teaching about wisdom through James in the men's group. And really what wisdom is, is applied knowledge, right? We have knowledge, but wisdom is how to apply the knowledge. Because we don't always know how to do that, right? Because from my standpoint, when I try to do something on my own, I mess it up pretty bad. But when I get wisdom from God, he helps me put it back together. So what I like to say is very simply, knowledge helps us tear stuff apart, and wisdom helps us put it back together. And that's what wisdom does, and that's what Jesus is trying to say. Be wise about your building. As you're putting it together, be wise. Because like I said, for me, I mess things up. And, and how many of you are thankful that God loves messy people, right? Because I'm a mess. You, if you don't believe me, you can ask Cindy. She'll tell you. Because I, I am a mess. Uh, look at Cindy. Just calm down. She's ready to tell everybody. So, Okay. But this, this illustration about the building is our life. And every person has a house and a life to build. And how they, we build our lives will determine our destiny. It's not just about here on earth, but it's about eternity. Where are we going to spend eternity? And if you're taking notes, please write this down. Everyone builds their lives on something. Everyone builds their lives on something. In 1 Corinthians 3.11, it says it like this. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have in Jesus Christ. There is no other foundation that we can have besides Jesus Christ. The foundation in the person of Jesus Christ, the blood of Christ, his righteousness is firm and it's strong. Now Jesus is going to talk about two foundations and he's going to talk about two results from those foundations. And outwardly, as he talks about these two builders, they look very similar, 
in what they're doing. There's no big difference in the kind of house that they're building. And within the analogy, there are two things that are the same and two that are different. From the outside, there's nothing in the text as we get into it that shows that there's something different about them. They look very similar. In our lives, if we look at each other, they look very similar, but they're different. And I just want to know, have you guys ever heard the statement, my kids used to do this to me all the time, and they actually still do. They'll say this. They say, they're the same, but they're different. Have you guys ever heard that? Or it's exactly the same, but it's different. Now, how is that possible? How is exactly the same, but different possible? It was like my kids, and, and I'm going to show my age, and some of you can relate to this, how old I am. But years ago, when we needed money, what did the kids say? What did my kids say to me? Go get that money tree. You know, the money tree outside, money grows on trees, right? Now what do they say? Go to the ATM. Go to the ATM. They don't understand the premise that there's got to be something there first. But they're the same, but they're different. Because you can go to these places and get money. So I have a couple pictures up here that I wanted to show you that are the same, but they're different. Hopefully. There we go. Butter and margarine. They're the same, but they're different, right? If you looked at them, you could not tell the difference between one and the other. One has made of milk, and the other one was made of vegetable oil. So from the outside, they look the same, but they are different. The next one, jam and jelly, right? Now, don't they look the same when you're looking at them in the jar? They're different though, right? They, but they look the same. They look the same. They're similar. Jam has the seeds are crushed up in it, right? That's what jam is. And jelly, I think the seeds are gone. So they look the same, but they're different. And this is the last one. This is the one I like the best. A graveyard and a cemetery. <laughs> to me, that's, those are the same. They're, they're, they're the same. They look very similar but they're different. Do you guys know what the difference is? The graveyard is connected to a church. That's the difference. A cemetery does not have a church attached to it. So if you drive by a graveyard that's a church, you'll be correct. It's a graveyard. But if there's no church, it's not a graveyard. It's a cemetery. Just trying to help you guys because they are the same but they're different. I, and I, I'm just trying to stress that point. But they look very similar. And these two builders look the same from the outside. Perhaps the two builders use the same materials. Both seem very nice and attractive. They seem to be the same. They were very similar in appearance. But earlier in Matthew, Jesus says this, in seven, Matthew 7, 15. We are not distinguished by our outward appearance, what it looks like from the outside, but by the type of fruit we produce. It's about the inward. It's not about the outward. People see the outward. They look similar. They don't know. 
It's inward, what we produce. In our inward, we are all very, very different, aren't we? We really are. The fundamental difference between them is the foundation in which these houses are built on. What our lives are built on. Each house has a different material upon which the foundation is laid. And each house has a different final outcome as well. However, you can't see the foundation because it's hidden. We can't see what's in another person's heart because it's hidden, but God can. He can see what's in our heart. We can't. Most of the distinctions that Jesus has made here have not been noticeable about outward at all. And at first glance, you can't really tell. Um, I grew up in Ohio, and we had two areas of housing. They were called Huber Homes. And these Huber Homes were like track homes. And they were all the same. Every single one of them. Except for there was a, there was a little bit of a difference. I mean, you could, some of them painted their houses different. The shrubs were different and those kind of things. But the one thing that was different about it was about every third or fourth house, because they were made with bricks. This house was one, this was another, this was another. But that fourth house had all the extra bricks from the first three. So it had all these different bricks in it. That was the only way you could tell, because they didn't waste them. So they used them on that fourth house. They built these things. So you couldn't tell the difference of these houses. It wasn't easy at all to tell them. And people would pull in the wrong driveways because the houses all look the same. I, it's, just, it's just different. And, but from the street, you couldn't tell. And you couldn't tell what their foundation was as well. But you could only assume based on the outward appearance and since they were all very similar, that they all had a very similar foundation. And Jesus says here that these two men, their houses, that one of them was a wise builder and one of them was a foolish builder. And you couldn't tell them apart by their outward appearance. So the contrast of what we're getting at is the foundations, the difference in these foundations. And Jesus is saying the contrast tonight is about hearing and doing. Hearing his word and doing his word. So let's read what Jesus says in verse 24. And he says, therefore, and we're going to stop right there, because you guys know what therefore is in the Bible, right? What is therefore in the Bible? It's there for a reason, correct? It's there for a reason. And that reason is it's a warning because he's saying, this is there for a reason. And I'm going to tell you what that reason is. But signs are for our protection. When we see one-way signs, it means don't go that way. They're for our protection. There's construction going on, so don't go there. So I have a sign up here. And this is our sign tonight. Caution that God is changing lives. Because he wants us to know tonight as we listen to this text that he wants us to hear what Jesus is saying, not merely just listen 
to what Jesus says. Because listening and hearing are similar, but they are very different. They are very different. So as we start in verse 24, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. That's our warning. Now Jesus is turning away from the teachers because he was talking to the Pharisees and the scribes. And now he's turning to the people. And he's saying there's a difference in listening to me and hearing what I say. Remember, they're the same, but they're different. And Jesus says this. He says, let them who have ears, let them hear. Because we need to hear this. And when we hear Jesus, we need to act. We need to respond to that. That's our part. When we hear, we respond. The contrast between hearing and doing is listening and not hearing. It's not just about some lip service that we can give, saying, Lord, Lord, and and doing all the things that we can do, or how easy is it to just learn a couple of uh, Bible verses and have that religiosity, that vocabulary that a lot of people like to do. A lot of people like to do that. Or they just come to church, they hang out, they might sing a few songs, go to a couple Bible studies, and yet they're not obeying God's Word. They're actually being phony. They're not being genuine in their walk. And that's what Jesus is telling us here. So if you're taking notes, I have this down. It says, God's love in our heart motivates us to obey and serve God. Obey God and serve others. In Romans 5, 5, it says it like this. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So through the Holy Spirit, he empowers us and he helps us and he guides us and he strengthens us. And when a person is truly born again and the Holy Spirit comes to live in them, he will enable them to be obedient, the act of obedience. God's will is that his word be heard in such a way that it be done, right? It's kind of like when we're parents, right? When we're raising our kids, we want them to to hear us, we want them to be obedient. I know with my little dog, I have a little dog named Abby, and I think Barb Barb knows Abby. Abby don't listen. Abby, Abby does not hear a thing. But now all of a sudden, Abby is hearing. And Abby is listening and she's obeying. And she listens to me, sorry. But now she's sitting and it's a blessing and I'm so excited about it. And that's how God is, I think, when he sees us obeying and listening to him, he's excited. His children are actually hearing what he says. I get excited about my dog, so just to let you know. But um, in James 1, through 25, James puts it like this. He says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. 
Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and not obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror and then walking away. So how do we do that? How do we listen to God's word, hear it, and put it into practice? How does God's word reach the deepest parts of our hearts? Well, we dig. We go deep. We have, we have to dig with confidence to know that underneath all of this that we will find and uncover the rock and make contact with Jesus Christ. But we have to do our part. We can't just sit on the sidelines. We have to do our part. We have to dig. It's the relationship that we have with God and our part of that relationship is applying his word in our lives and being obedient. That action is obedience. Paul has an interesting term to describe doing God's will by faith, and he speaks about the obedience of faith. This expression is found twice in the book of Romans. In fact, Romans begins and ends with this expression, the obedience of faith. For Paul, there was no way to separate faith and obedience. And for us, it should be the same thing. There's no separation in our faith and our obedience. There's no true faith without obedience. First, God makes us strong through the gospel, through the Holy Spirit. That strengthens our faith. That's what the gospel does. That's what God's word does for us. The gospel is aiming at the obedience, our obedience. So the gospel strengthens us in faith, faith so that we'll lead obedient lives. And that's what the obedience of faith is. The gospel is, means to be obedient because it means to have a life full of faith that comes from our obedience. They go hand in hand. I have up on the board on the screen, if you're taking notes, it says this very simply. God's word should so penetrate our ears that it becomes the foundation of our lives, reaching the deepest parts of our hearts. Faith that finds expression in our practical daily obedience to God. That's why James urges us not just to be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. The fundamental difference between these houses is that foundation on what they were built. However, you can't see the foundations because it's hidden. The difference in these foundations will only come when the storms arrive. When the storm comes or final judgment in front of God. These storms will be differentiated or be different because we'll be tested. When the storms come, we will be tested, and both of these houses will have to endure the elements and the testings of that storm. Back to the text in verse 26, it says this, But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice as like a foolish man 
who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a mighty crash. The foolish man who builds his house for on shifting sand and the foundation is only for today. And the difference comes when the storms come. And I have this on the screen. The storm is coming. The storm is coming. Either you're in a storm, you're coming out of a storm, or you're getting ready to go into a storm. But it's coming. Storms come. And there's no stopping storms, right? And these storms come without a warning. They suddenly hit us, and they are going to come. But storms are a normal part of our daily life. James puts it like this, and he describes it, and this is hard, but it says, To consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials or storms. How is that? How do we consider that pure joy? It's the way we look at them, what our foundation is built on. Our outlook determines the outcome. When we have an outlook and our foundation is built on Jesus Christ, the outcome will be good. And these trials of life are nothing unusual. They're a normal part of walking on this earth and living. And the true Christian can consider these trials and these storms a joyful encounter. And the reason you can do that, it's not the joy in the storm, but it's the joy over the product the storm produces. And that's maturity. It's maturity. And when we mature as Christ's followers, we become more obedient to God. Therefore, the difference between these two men is likened to the foundation of their houses, but really it's the difference between obedience and disobedience. The main factor about that disobedience or obedience determines whether you're wise or you're foolish. True Christians can withstand the storm without any anxiety because we've already seen what Jesus said in Matthew 6. He says this, They will obey my commands and cease being anxious and seek my kingdom and my righteousness first. So it's important to understand the contrast of this parable of the two foundations. It's not about a Christian and a non-Christian, or a Christ follower and a non-Christ follower. It's really about a professing Christian whose house is built on the sand and a professing Christian whose house is built on the rock. So both come to church. They listen to the message. They read their Bibles. You can't tell them apart. And we know that. We've talked about that. So the real issue to consider here is whether they hear the truth and they know the truth, but whether they do the truth, whether they do what they hear. 
This is what's going to determine our destiny for eternity. And James says it best when he says, do not be deceived, brothers. Do not be deceived. Know the truth. And the truth is, if we do not build our foundations in Jesus Christ, we will not withstand the storms of life and the final storm that could come. Only the storms will differentiate between the two, a true disciple and a false one. And storms come in many different ways. They come in sickness, failures, losses. Maybe you lost a job. But that's where your faith kicks in, our obedience and faith. We trust in God for these things. We don't do it on our own understanding. Uh, most of you know my story. And I won't go into it a lot, but you know, I, you know, I have cancer, and I've had cancer for a couple years. And um, when it first happened, it felt like everything was just coming down on top of me. Because when the doctor tells you that, and you're going through that whole first part, but it was my faith that brought me through that. Trusting in what God said and what he has says, because we live by the promises of God, not the explanations of the world. The world's going to tell us all these different things, but God says, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. And in my house, there's a room for you. And for that, for me, I just, the storm, let it come. I know there's a song out there that says, let it rain. If that's what you want, let it rain. I'm okay with that. The true nature of a Christ follower is in the moment of crisis. It shows who they really are. When the storms come in life, the foundation of our lives is uncovered. Our foundation is uncovered. When the wind and the rain beat on it, it shows who you really are and what your house is made of. The storms will test what's hidden from out of, out of sight. And if this doesn't happen in this life, if you don't have these storms and you're not, your foundation isn't revealed then, it certainly will be revealed on the day of judgment. In the Old Testament, storms were used as a symbol of God's judgment, especially his final judgment. So there's a reason that Jesus has this here, that the storms will come. May not be here, but that final storm, where's your foundation? Who did you build upon? And on that day, we want to cry out that we've built our foundation on the rock. Because building on the rock, Jesus Christ, we will withstand the ultimate test of God's judgment. Now, Jesus being a carpenter, he knew how to build a house, right? I think it's very important that he used that because, you know, Jesus, nothing's by coincidence, right? I mean, 
he's a carpenter, so I'm going to tell you how to build a house. He knows, right? He knew what he was doing. And he's saying, you can't build a house and just think about today and tomorrow. You have to think about long term. When we see these houses that have been up for hundreds of years, we were looking at a house um, to buy. And, I, and actually, I was talking to Susan, and we were talking about this. And it was a stick house. You know what a stick house is? It's built with wood, not block. And this house was built in 1983. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not sure if I really want to get a stick house. And Susan says, I would rather have a stick house that was built in 1983 than a stick house that was built now because back then the foundations, the people building them, they knew their trades. They did a much better job. I'm like, I never really thought of that. But it's what they built on their foundation. Thank you for that, Susan. But it's really what they build on. And that's the meaning of Jesus' teaching here. The foolish man is the one who thinks about only the present He has no vision concerning the future. He just wants to build on something that's quick and easy and enjoy it right now. What happens today is really all that counts. And there's so many people that think that way. It's only about today. What about tomorrow? We don't think about tomorrow. Do we think about eternity? Where we're going to spend it? Why waste the energy and Pay the cost of building a house on a good foundation. Just enjoy it for what it is today. And that's foolishness. The wise man does not think that way. He thinks about the future right through eternity. When he builds, he builds long term. And therefore, he builds his house on the rock. He knows that one day a storm will come. And he wants to make sure that he's not swept away in it. He hears God's word and he acts upon it. But the wise man knows also that building upon the rock takes time. And it takes a commitment. And there's energy involved in it. It's not easy. We see the difference between the easy road and the hard road when it comes to building. And if you're taking notes, please write this down. Building on the sand is quick and easy. Building on the rock is hard and time-consuming. Digging deep is hard. But when we dig deep, we make contact with Jesus. When we dig deep in his word, we make contact with him. No life can be founded upon Christ's teachings unless it is also founded upon faith and their trust in who he is and his character. And for all of this, we must dig deep. And I think it's important, I'm going to go um, to another part of Scripture. It's uh, Luke's account of this same parable, but he uses some different words, and I think it's very important that we see those words. So observe the actions of this builder. In Luke 6, 46 through 48, it says, So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? 
I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows me. It is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. Did you notice what the wise man was doing? He's digging deep. And for us today, we need to be wise. We need to dig deep into God's word and build our lives upon him. Now, this builder spent a lot of time digging, a lot of energy, until he hit what he was looking for. He hit something that was worthwhile. Do you get that picture when it comes to our quiet time, when it comes to our relationship with God? Are we looking for the quick and easy road and just reading a passage and then going over it? Or are we digging deep, making contact with Jesus when we spend time with him? And this digging simply means that we do what Jesus tells us to do. We act in obedience. There's an important spiritual principle here. And when it emerges, it's, it's like this. It says, when we do God's will, we will be able to know Christ and we will make contact with him. So when we dig deep, we'll make contact with Jesus and we'll know him, we'll love him, and we'll follow him faithfully. Back to the text in verse 28. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teachings because he taught as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. They were amazed. This was a common reaction when Jesus taught. When people heard Jesus, they were amazed. Why was that? Why were they so amazed? Well, he was Jesus, for one. But his presentation, the way he gave the message, he spoke with divine authority. The scribes and the Pharisees, they always spoke from the authority, from the other laws, the quoting other rabbis and the experts of the law, but they were never speaking from divine authority. Jesus needed no human teacher to add authority to his words. He was the son of God. The words that he spoke were coming straight from God. And tonight, we cannot lightly dismiss this sermon. Because he's speaking to each one of us right now. It came right from God. And we must bow down and obey him. Building your life on faith in Jesus and obedience to his teaching, it's hard. It is hard. It's challenging and it's painful. And sometimes it seems like a loss for the short term. But I want you to know that all good things come from God, right? Now, not all good things that come from God are comfortable, correct? Because they're not. When the storms come and these things come from God, we may not know what those good things are. Just like Jesus, 
going to the cross to die for our sins. It's a good thing for us, right? Very good thing for us. Very, very uncomfortable for him. What about Paul? Had whatever that was, thorn in his side? How many times he asked God to take that from him? But he said, nope, my grace is sufficient. So when we think about good things, they may not be comfortable, but they are from God. Through popular teachers and teachers, they may tell you otherwise. We don't come to Jesus or call people to Jesus to witness to them because things are going to be easier or they're going to be safer or it's going to be fun in this life or we're going to get more materials and prosperity. If that's why you follow Jesus, you're not following him at all. Your life is built on the sand or on the ground. The only question remaining is, what are you going to do with Jesus' words when you hear them? Are you going to act upon them? Are you going to follow Jesus' instructions? Don't be deceived. Know his word. Know the truth. Don't be a foolish man or woman who builds his foundation on the sand and can't withstand the storms of life. Our only hope is to start acting on what Jesus said. We come to Jesus and build our lives on him because one reason, we're sinners. And we've earned every drop of God's storm and his wrath in our lives. And Jesus took that for us. Jesus Christ is our only hope and salvation. Not only are we to build our lives on Jesus, our rock, but we're also required to put his teachings into practice. Obedience to God's will is the true test of faith. I'm going to ask Rachel to come up, and she's going to have one song for us, and then we're going to close. But I want to challenge you tonight. What are you building your foundation on? Are you building it on the love of Jesus Christ? Or are you building it on the sand? Don't be swept away through the storms. Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Sebastian podcast channel. If this message impacted your life, we encourage you to share it with a friend. We're located at 1251 Sebastian Boulevard, just northeast of Intersection 90th Avenue and State Road 512 in Sebastian, Florida. Our service times are Saturday evening at 6 p.m., Sunday morning at 1045 a.m., and Wednesdays at 630 p.m.